Welcome to the Everyman Sports Podcast, the show for fans, by fans. No former pros, no so-called experts, just real passionate fans. From outside on a porch to inside a living room, in the parking lot of a stadium to the dining room table, friends and families chat about their teams, their games, and what makes them cheer. This is Everyman Sports. Hello and welcome to another episode of Everyman Sports. My name is Chad. I'm the owner-operator of this podcast. Our number is 626-427-7678. That's 626-427-7678. And you can find us across social media at Everyman Sports. Making his triumphant return from across the pond is our friend and common guest, Alex. How are you, Alex? I am very well. I'm super happy to be back now that we've, uh, we've got daylight savings making the time difference much more powerful for us. We're, we're back together again. That's right. On a recent conversation of our own, we realized that uh, because the United States has their daylight savings time about, what, two weeks prior to yours? Two weeks earlier, yeah. Two weeks, it makes it much easier for us to uh, communicate and have him back on the show, aside from just uh, joining us via a... Um, a garbled uh, phone message. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think just as soon as I saw my phone bill and it was like three dollars a minute to dial into the program, I was like, my insights are important, not twelve dollars important. <laughs> <laughs> and we can find a time like this. This is what we can do now. So, um, so let's start off with what is currently going on in sports: the uh, March Madness NCAA men's basketball tournament is currently going on. We're in the midst of the round of 32. Eight teams are already in the Sweet 16. And it has been a very uh, momentous uh, tournament. I think we have to start off with the big one, which was the loss of the overall number one seed to a 16 seed. First time it ever happened um, in the tournament that a 16 beats a... um, 16 beats a uh, one, and not just any old number one, because remember, there are four number ones. This one was the overall number one, Virginia losing to uh, UMBC, uh, University of Maryland. What is it? Um, where, are they, where are they even from? But it's, oh, I'm sorry, University of Maryland, Baltimore County to be, we want to give them their due. Um, this was a team that lost to Albany, um, what was their score against? It was oh, eighty-three to thirty-nine. They lost by fifty-four points, and here they are overcoming. I'm sorry, fifty-two points. Here they are overcoming the number one overall seed, Virginia. Quite, uh, quite amazing. And it wasn't. It wasn't just the last. No, they lost by uh, Virginia. Lost by twenty, which it's just unbelievable, and it it tells you a lot about just how crazy this bracket can be. Um, and I saw a really interesting video that talks about how so many other sports reseed when a higher seed loses. Like in the NFL, if the wild card team beats you know, uh, a division winner in the first round, then they get the higher seed. It doesn't just stay, but here it all, just, it all stays the same. So you could have an easy route at like eight or, than you could at like two. It's mm. hard to believe. So. Yeah, because it's, yeah, it's, it's kind of sort of like tennis in that it's, you set the, the bracket up at the very beginning and then you know exactly what your route is. Right. Um, but yeah, it's funny looking at the scores uh, through all the 1 and 16 games because, like, Virginia wouldn't have beaten anyone. Like, they, they scored less than any of the other 1 and 16 teams. Oh, that's, um, a, that's a really interesting way of thinking. I didn't even think about it that way. Like, yeah. there was one team that they 
uh, maybe two teams in the whole bracket that they outscored, um, which is weird to think, like the number one overall seed. Um, yeah. yeah, two teams that they scored more than. Yeah, that's it's just hard, just really. It's just, it makes it for amazing. I don't know if I would consider, I mean, it's still got to be considered high up on, like, the all-time um, spoilers or upsets. Yeah. But, I mean, still, uh, it, it's momentous. A uh, first time in, what, 354 occasions that this, like, there were 355 like that, yeah. previous occasions where this could have happened, and it never did. So, here we are now. Uh, another one moving on up is uh, Loyola Chicago. It was actually um, kind of like the sleeper pick for uh, uh, former President Obama, um, being from Chicago himself. But they're moving on to the Sweet 16, a number 11. They beat uh, Miami by two, and then they beat Tennessee by one. So you can only assume that, I don't know, they'll tie? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll have to see who they play, either Nevada or Cincinnati. Um, actually, the the one that's kind of keeping form is the West. Um you got one through one through not one through eight technically. It's Florida State was mm-hmm. a nine, but one through eight or nine there. And the higher seeds winning the other two games. Moving on, Marshall overcoming um, uh, recent a uh, couple years uh, tournament favorite um, Wichita State at a uh, thirteen. Marshall beat them, and now they face West Virginia, which I think will be interesting because Marshall and West Virginia are both in West Virginia, mm-hmm. so that'll be a fun little matchup. Um, yeah, but aside from that, oh, Syracuse coming out of the first four. They moved past TCU, and they have Michigan State coming up. But for the most part, it's kind of been keeping keeping as is. Although Oklahoma, who had, um, was it Trey Young, the best player in college basketball in Oklahoma, and they lost to Rhode Island, which is uh, in overtime, which is uh, pretty pretty big news because here you have the best player on the in college basketball, and he, he, he couldn't help his team, so. Yeah, so very interesting so far. Mm. Yeah, it's a, it's sad that they're like uh, the uh, Virginia result is blowing away the uh, perfect bracket. Like, ever. <laughs> I don't think there's a single bracket left. No, no, and it's really interesting because I saw articles after the fact of like, well, here's how it happened, and like some people are like, well, you know, UM- UMBC has the best player. Like, if you take all the Virginia players, they're not as good. Why, why didn't anybody say this beforehand? And it's because it's a 16 versus a 1. You know, University of Maryland, Baltimore County, it's not one, you know. You've heard of Virginia. You haven't heard of UMBC. Um, it turns out saying why these results happened is not nearly as exciting as predicting it. No, no, and that and that's, yeah, that's a great thing. But, boy, was there a big payout uh, from Vegas on that line. Because usually... They will set the line really high for mm-hmm. those one verse sixteens, where like, you know, the underdog will will get like will be spotted thirty points, and most times they won't cover that. Well, here's one that actually won, so wow! And th- those were high odds. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but again, a sixteen beating a one, very very big. Um, and right now we currently have the Everyman Sports uh, podcast bracket going on. And Alex and I are in it and uh, <laughs> looking for more people for next year, that's for sure. But currently, Alex has the lead over me. By um, He's got a lead of four points over me with a possibility of two more points than I could than I might have. Um, but I mean, I don't want to say I'm better than you at American sports, but uh, I think Proof is currently saying that 
card. Yeah. I, I think that that is true. <laughs> Although, to be fair, we both had in our brackets, we both had Virginia winning. Yeah, um, yeah. So what do we know? <laughs> right, and not and the rest of our final four was not shared. You have, uh, uh, I saw um, UNC. You had who was the other one? I got Purdue and Michigan State as my final four. Right, I got I had I have Villanova, Kansas, and Xavier. So, like the last like three years, I've always had North Carolina, Michigan State, and I think that was one of those years where they were in the final four. Well, I, um, I mean, it's it, it's very because it's very common. Like basically, it's it's a one percent. Um, it, it's just it's basically the one percent. Like if you've heard of these college basketball programs, then they're going to make the final four. You know, yeah. it, it's very rare when they lose out early because so there's there's no real. <clears throat> that's why a couple of years ago when Florida Gulf Coast made it um, deep. And the first year, Butler really kind of made it deep. Like that was monumentous because here are two, here are these schools that you've never heard of, that you've only heard of in the first couple rounds, but never in the Final Four, never in the Elite Eight, or anything like that. So, I think that's why it's so compelling doing these sort of brackets and why people get so excited about this. Is like there's always there's always a story. Like it's you see these same groups of schools moving through, but one of them normally won't make it, and yeah. it's which corner of the bracket are you going to have this sort of run of a team doing much better than they thought they were going to do um, right i mean currently there's no there isn't a well-known program that has um fallen so far maybe arizona i guess but arizona is mm-hmm. kind of a shell of what they used to be um uh, yeah i mean every every other place it seems pretty standard in terms of who made it where, and you know the big yeah. names are the like big names. Are, the, the, the first round upsets, so just like oh yeah, like right. The, the closest like three versus ten, but it's like the closest would be Wichita State, but they've only been big for the last three or four tournaments. So that's mm-hmm. Oklahoma. Yeah, I, I might say Oklahoma, but again, you know, if you're ranked ranked tenth, you know, there's a reason you're down that far. So. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, so that's interesting. So we'll have to see how that progresses. Uh, moving on to the NFL and just the craziest—I I, I, can't—I th- can't remember just a more wild transaction report coming down on the first day of free agency, mm-hmm. and not even just the first day, but just just overall. I mean, the big news is Kirk Cousins has finally moved; he's made his choice. He's moving on to the Minnesota Vikings. Um. And the Minnesota Vikings quarterbacks have found homes elsewhere. Teddy Bridgewater is now a Jet. Yikes. Um, uh, Sam Bradford is now a Cardinal. <clears throat> a friend of mine made a good point. When I grow up, I want to be a quarterback with no cartilage in my knee. I can make millions. Yeah. I just, I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Case Keenum. Case Keenum goes to Denver, which actually kind of makes sense because Gary Kubiak is the, um, is, oh, no, not, was it Kubiak? Basically, there's a connection. I, it's part of it is Kubiak, but Kubiak retired. I forget what it is. I think. In any case, Case Keenum actually to the Broncos kind of does make sense. Um, we'll have to see if he act, if that actually works out. Um, I mean, uh, the Rams. Can, yeah. How do you feel about sort of the Kirk Cousins um, going? So, do, do you think that's good for either team? Like, I, it doesn't see. It seems so unaspirational to just pick up Kirk Cousins. Well, you know, I talked about it last time. It, the if you were to go to the Jets, there'd be a little bit of a ramp up 
two um, winning. Um, the Broncos' window is closing faster and faster. They might have two more years before that defense really comes back to being pedestrian. And so the Vikings, I guess, make the most sense in that they can win now. They did make it to the uh, NFC Championship game. They have a very strong defense that hasn't gotten weaker through this free agency. They've got good skill position. I mean, Dalvin, uh, Dalvin Cook, when he's healthy, we saw at the beginning of last year, he can do really well. The, um, Adam Thielen, Stefan Diggs, there's a lot of good pieces there. Um, and Cousins did have to pretty much do it by himself in Washington. They did get a division title out of it. And um, so I, I, it does make sense. I can understand why he would go there. And it's the most win now with the longest let, uh, longevity attached to it. It's still mm-hmm. early in their their rise. Uh, yeah, it just seems so weird because it's just why like the run they went on with, even just Case Keenum. Like, I don't see that Kirk Cousins is much of an upgrade. He's he very much is like a game manager sort of quarterback. So yeah, he really have you really gone up? much or is it just we just need a safe pair of hands to throw to these I think think that's it they need that safe pair who doesn't have an injury um, history because between Mm. Bridgewater and Bradford I mean again there's no there's no knee safe there Keenum (laughs) I mean Keenum was basically the third stringer like I mean and he was an also he was he wasn't drafted Um, he he's he was a great college quarterback at Houston and he, um, the the Texans took a flyer out in, uh, out on him, <clears throat> and he was an afterthought. You know, he went to L.A. and just he was going to be a backup forever. And then he went on this magical run, and everything worked out. So we'll have to see. But you know, I I guess of what was there, he Kirk Cousins was the best, and so it mm-hmm. just remains to be seen. Besides, if you look ever since Super Bowl Fifty. These sort of uh, basically the current run of Super Bowls, I should say, there have been this like who's next in terms of who's been on a pretty long streak that needs that like the Eagles last year or this past season. The Eagles got off their Schneid, they finally got a Super Bowl. It seems like the Vikings are next in line, having never won one, having been to four in the seventies. You know, maybe it's their time now. Yeah, which I, I can understand. I mean. You know, I, I think that that's, that is true. You know, the Seahawks won theirs, you know, what, five years ago. And mm. it just seems like, okay, now now the ones that, the franchises that haven't won for quite some time or never won are now kind of getting their, their rings. So I think that they're next. So, um, but I mean, and also just the teams that teams have, uh, the players that teams have cut, uh, Nadamik and Sue. Um, I mean, the Bears obviously realized Mike Glennon was not that good of a quarterback. They cut him. I mean, Richard Sherman got Richard Sherman got cut, yeah. and he got signed by the by the Forty ers That's really big. You know, Danny Woodhead, Jeremy Macklin get cut. Although also Danny Woodhead has uh, retired. Yeah. Um, so I mean that that was that was real. Uh, Jordy Nelson. I never thought that that would happen. I mean. I, I suppose he was scheduled to make a good amount of money, and if Rodgers went down again, Jordy would just be nothing. He'd just be window dressing. But, I mean, gosh, he was 
And I, I know Rodgers wasn't really happy, or he'll miss he'll miss Jordan Nelson because he really liked him there. Because you could always count on him for 70, 70 yards receiving and, and a touchdown almost every game. It does make you think, though, like, it's just how much of that is, is that Rodgers making Jordy look good? Because he just has so much trust in him. Can an amazing quarterback just make a wide receiver look better than he is? Because well, as soon as that trust goes away, they, they don't. I think that's true, but you know, Rodgers has a really nice touch on the deep ball, and Jordy was always able to get separation and make some really good catches, whereas somebody like Brett Huntley does not have a great vertical game, so Jordy's, mm. Jordy's skills are not going to be on display there. Um, and if he's going, so, and he actually did just get signed by the Raiders to Jordy Nelson, so Derek Carr, you know, he can throw it, he can throw it long, so I think Jordy might be okay there. Yeah. You know, the, the Raiders cut Michael Crabtree, and he's, he's going somewhere else. I mean, so it's just, yep. it's really interesting, the ones that were gone. You know, Jimmy Graham, and now he, and now, you know, speaking of Jimmy Graham, now he's going to uh, Green Bay. Just, uh kind of interesting to see that. So, yeah, just, I mean, just just crazy amount of moves. The one, you know, Malcolm Butler's going to Tennessee, so is Deion Lewis. I mean, the the Patriots got rather decimated. I mean, we knew that Butler was going to go, but Deion Lewis, who really came on late last year, and then you had Nate Soldier, uh, uh, the offensive lineman, signs with the Giants. I mean, that I mean, was... you're finally getting your wish of not having just the Patriots pick up all these veterans. I like, was, yeah. You, oh, and... all, you, all you want is then no one do trades with the Patriots. But no! They've got... Because how many draft picks do they have this year? Oh. Like, they're going to regenerate like a phoenix <laughs> yeah i know they they always do um yeah they don't have as many as you think this year i know in the draft the packers have the most with 12 so it's usually you hear it's the patriots have the most but not this year um yeah i don't know exactly i gotta I, i'm gonna guess like eight maybe maybe nine so a, a pretty good haul for them but just not what you usually expect from them uh, and also Danny Amendola, he left too. Um, although at first there was the talk that Jordy Nelson might go to the Patriots, which I really that would have hurt so bad. Because yeah. I, the I, team of making sm- small white guys receivers. I know. <laughs> I think I think one thing that I got a little kick out of was the the um, the reactionary think pieces of is Tom Brady racist. Because when you look yeah. at look at who he throws to, it's usually the white, white small wide receivers, and meanwhile the tall, um, black wide receivers get like very little. Like just look at Gronkowski versus Martellus Bennett. People are like, hey, and it's like, all right. On the one hand, Gronkowski's been there a while, and Bennett also got cut. So yeah, but, yeah. I do find, like their their offensive line is like just white guys. Yeah, yeah. Which is like it's strange to see. Like you don't think about it, but then it's like, yeah, that is. But then, like Green Bay is sort of the same, um, right? I wonder if it's just—is it just the snowy nations, the s- nations, it's <laughs> snowy nations, um, the snowy cities? Well, don't forget. Also, Green Bay is a small. Like it, it's not even a city; it's a town. Yeah. A, if you've ever looked on Google Images at um, Lambeau Field from air, from an aerial view, you'll just see all these like nice small houses with like very small like above ground pools you like nothing quite says like small town like above ground pools like just fill it up and hope you don't puncture the side 
I also just like the idea of above ground pools in a place that gets as cold as Green Bay. Yes. It's like, I love the hope. <laughs> the second most popular place in Green Bay, aside from Lambeau Field, is their gaming uh, store. Like at, like, at one point, like, some of the players on the Packers during, I think, like a like a layover were playing Settlers of Catan, and there was a big rush in Green Bay to, to at the game store to get Settlers of Catan. They're like, oh, our favorite players are playing it. Let's let's get it to Okay, them. just just that fact alone. Green Bay, my new favorite team. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, those cheeseheads. Um, the Jets actually did some smart things. So they got Isaiah. Don't give them that. Don't give them that credit. I, I, like, it'll all come crashing down. <laughs> I, I know. I know. On the one hand, we lost Austin Safarian Jenkins um, to Jacksonville, but maybe that doesn't hurt so much. But they got a really good cornerback in Tremaine Johnson uh, from the Rams, which is hard to – like the Rams got Aqib Talib and Marcus Peters, and they're like, Tremaine Johnson, you're a really good cornerback, but we don't need you anymore. So they cut him, or I, I think he was a free agent. But in any case, the Jets got him. Um, uh, five years, $27.5 million, but it's, I think it's worth it. Um and they got Isaiah Crowell, which at this point in the league, unless you have a superior back, it's all going to be a backfield by committee. Yeah. Uh, and Isaiah Crowell is okay, although I still don't understand how he was splitting, <laughs> how he was splitting snaps with Duke Johnson. It just doesn't make yeah. sense to me. I mean, this is the thing. You just it's any time you pick up a player from the Browns, you're like, is it the team? Is I think it it's the, it's the team. I don't know. It's the team. <laughs> although speaking of the Browns. Um, so they signed Carlos Hyde, and we talked about. Uh, I talked about how they got Tyrod Taylor and, J- I mean, Jarvis Landry from from Miami. Mm-hmm. Just they are really beefing up their their offense. And so once they signed Carlos Hyde, because they've got the number one pick and the number four pick, like people are wondering what are they going to do? I, I something stupid. Well, guaranteed. so yeah. <laughs> So here's what I think, and you know, the draft is not for uh, another month plus, and everybody's of course like, well, what's happening? Well, I think the Browns are going to take, I think they'll take Barkley first, and then they'll swing back at four and get the offensive lineman Nelson from Notre Dame to really help out. Again, if Barkley's as good as he's supposed to be, and people are talking about Barry Sanders good, then, and especially with the way the league is run now, just have him split reps with Carlos Hyde and have Barkley come along slowly, kind of like what they did in Tennessee with DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry. Now Derrick Henry's ready to just kind of take over, although Deion Lewis, uh, Lewis is there, but still, he'll be able to help out. And then you just get the offensive lineman at four, you you protect Tyrod Taylor's head, and you'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. So that yeah, remains... It's just, it's, uh, Tyrod's sort of, if that is your scheme going forward, like, is Tyrod the man to be... Like, you don't need to run. Give it to this person. Right. Go to these people. And All we need you to do is stay in the pocket and don't get hit in the head. And between... <laughs> oh, yeah, boy. Like in the Jacksonville game. But, I mean, at the, yeah. on the one hand, he did lead Buffalo, although technically lead... They did come in through the back way. Um, you know, they did... <laughs> Tyrod Taylor did lead the team in uh, breaking their um, playoff appearance uh, streak. Uh, without being in the playoffs, so that on that on that one hand, you kind of bring that sort of quote unquote magic over, but they've got better wide receivers: to, uh, Josh Gordon, Javaris Landry, and if you got Carlos Hyde coming out of the backfield, even just pass catching, 
Um, It should be okay. So beef up that offensive line now that Joe Thomas, their great offensive lineman, has retired. If it was was any other team, you'd be much more excited about these pickups. But the fact is the Browns, you just know someone's going to mess something up. (laughs) If if my team screws it up, I know Cleveland's going to screw it up. Like it just, and how many first round picks do you need? Although I did, I did read one thing that the Browns did say was like, you know, we've been trying these young players, and it just hasn't been working. Let's try some veterans. Like, duh, you have to have the mix. So you're getting kids straight out of college and just throwing them into the NFL and being like, oh, they're not performing. Yes. Good luck against good. Good luck against Pittsburgh. Have fun. Like, no, that's no, that's (laughs) that's not how this. That's not how any of this works. Speaking of the draft, uh, and I'm very excited by this. So the Jets have moved up from the sixth pick to the third. They swapped first picks with the Colts. They also gave up a couple second-round picks. That's that's fine. Because um, with what they've done in the offseason, I'm pretty okay. They also picked up an offensive lineman from the Redskins. So I, I liked what the Jets have been doing. And this really satisfies me that I know they're going to take a quarterback, which I'm very mm-hmm. happy about. Because, look. There are we, we know that there's Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold. You know, if you want to go further, uh, Tavares Jackson. Um, is it Tavares Jackson? Why? I'm I want to make sure I'm not messing it up with a former NFL quarterback. Uh, the the one who won the Heisman Trophy in um, at Louisville. In any case, so there's several several quarterbacks available, and if the Jets. When it got down to sixth, like it's whoever was left out of out of those quarterbacks, which might have been, I was so sure that they were going to take Baker Mayfield at six. I was like, all right, hopefully he doesn't turn into Johnny Menzel, but I I don't know. So by moving up to three, and the Colts have a lot of needs, so they wanted they wanted a lot of picks, so they got all those second round picks, so they can have depth, and they might and they don't necessarily need a quarterback, quote unquote. So Jets at three. If one of those two teams take Barkley, either the Giants or the Browns, and I think the Browns will, that leaves at least their first or second choice for quarterback available. Mm. And and there's no way that Barkley's going to fall to them at three. And even if they do, if, if by some happenstance they, he does fall to three, I don't think they're going to take him. I think they, they want to take a quarterback. Even though now they have Josh McCown and Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater, but just... You know, Teddy Bridgewater's knee could fall apart very soon, and Josh McCown could come back to earth. So, I mean, my only concern with that line is it's 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 going to be the Jets thing of one of the quarterbacks will go down in training camp, the other quarterback will go have a terrible start to the season, and then the rookie quarterback will be thrown in because the fans want something different. I I know I know they want, but you know. Uh... I don't know. I, I just, the way things have been going so far in this offseason, I've been okay with it. And this kind of made me happy. Just the mm-hmm. fact that they showed they weren't going to stay pat. And that it was the Colts that came to them. I think I also liked. It wasn't the Jets. Something about saying we need to move up as opposed to, hey, we just happened to move up. Like it was nice. Yeah. It, it, they weren't overthinking it. It was like, oh, here comes an opportunity. We'll take it, not let's make something of this. Um, of course, now it makes it more difficult for the Broncos to get, you know, um, a bigger name. Like the the Bills are, want to move up because they don't like where they are with their quarterback situation. They're at 12, and there's no way somebody's mm-hmm. going to fall that far. And now they see what 
what they had, what the Jets had to give up. Which looks second round picks that those, those are a lot of good picks, and there's a pick next year. Thankfully, the Jets didn't give up their number one for next year, but it still shows that the Bills, who already moved up from 21 to 12 from Cincinnati, and they had to give up their offensive linemen, they still need a lot more to move up, and that's going to be hard to do. Um, but I'm just, yeah. I'm just so happy that the Jets will not have to take a defensive player. I won't have to scream. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just the classic like outside linebacker pick. Ah! <laughs> I don't want. No, 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 no. And it, it will be nice. Now, if the Giants take at number two a quarterback, then it will be interesting to see here in the in the New York market to see, like, the two quarterbacks that are picked at the same time, how their lives will be intertwined, how it's going to be just on for display and everybody. It will be like the new uh, Mantle versus Snyder versus Mays, just like, yeah. well, who did better? Who won out? Who was the better quarterback? So. Yeah, that was interesting there. That is the interesting when you get these sort of very heavy quarterback draft classes. Like yes. Even now, like you look at like the Rivers draft class, like who's got a ring, and it it stays with you that who who you happen to be sort of coming into the NFL at the same time. Yeah. yeah. No, that's absolutely true. Um, so Alex, let's move on to some uh, foot other football. What we what we oh, commonly yeah. what we commonly call soccer, but football around the world um so the um english premier league um manchester city's pretty much wrapped that up that's, that's yeah they've it's kind of it's been a bit sad since sort of the new year like they they lost the undefeated season to liverpool um mm-hmm. but they haven't really slowed down so it's like i think they can win it possibly this month at manchester united which would be uh interesting right um, so they've got a domestic game coming up and uh, yeah, they can they can start the Premiership there and then um, with like eight fixtures left to go. Um, so sort of more of a whimper than a bang for the Premier League this season. Mm. But we in the meantime we've had the Champions League to uh, sort of keep us entertained. Um, so we recently had the round of sixteen, um, and of the five British teams in the in the round of sixteen, only two have made it through. So we've had uh, Chelsea go out to Barcelona. Mm-hmm. Um, most surprisingly, Manchester United going out to uh, Spanish Minnow Sevilla, um, and uh, uh, Jose Mourinho getting absolutely slated for <laughs> sort of the really negative style of play. Um, and he had, he had a really strange press conference of just like this twelve-minute like pre-prepared rant about his record and stuff. Really. And then like five minutes after he'd gone on this rant, someone posted tweets of his of his like five years ago where he's like teams shouldn't play negatively and if if you go out without even trying you should really look at yourself in the mirror and everyone's just like you're such a hypocrite yeah well um, l- losing losing then, causes that it makes everything fall apart but then um tottenham going out to italian champions juventus um tottenham actually cantering through the uh, group stages but mm-hmm. come up against um sort of Italian opposition that they didn't really much respect and they yeah, lost 4-3 uh, on aggregate over both legs. Um, mm. So the final eight teams are... We've got Juventus versus Real Madrid, Sevilla versus Bayern Munich. Um, I think most people would expect Bayern to win that tie. Right. Um, Barcelona, Roma, Barcelona, you've got to have as favourites. And then uh, final quarterfinal matchup, Liverpool versus Manchester City. Hey, that's going to be um, big. So that's sort of the marquee matchup that people are looking at. I mean, Juventus-Real Madrid is also quite exciting, but um, 
Liverpool being the only team to currently beat Manchester City in the Premier League this season. Um, two that's, very explosive offenses. That's so. That's um, that's three three um, three out of eight uh, Spanish teams. In, um... Yeah, so it's classic, like, yeah, Spanish dominance coming through. So Real Madrid, Barcelona, you you always expect them to get this far. Um, um, Sevilla being the slight wild card. Right. Um, and they have two, two Italian teams as well. So you've got Juventus and Roma. A um, bit underrepresented from Germany this year. I mean, a couple of years ago, it was um, Borussia Dortmund and Bayern Munich. And, uh, right. Um, representing for Germany. Um, but yeah, no real surprises at this stage apart from, yeah, maybe when you've got five British teams in the round of 16 to have only two and then off in the semis possibly well definitely one um, we'll see how it goes I mean between Liverpool and Manchester City I don't think either of them are going to really compete with Barcelona or Real Madrid right they, they've still got to be favourites so um, yeah it's good. look forward to the Liverpool Manchester City games those should, those should be explosive and getting them to play each other oh absolutely consecutive weeks will be quite exciting um, so yeah, it's all it's all kind of shaping up nicely for a pretty interesting Champions League this year. Yeah, it's, it seems like it. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, and just in other British sports news, we've just had the uh, Six Nations Rugby Championship conclude. Um, uh-huh. So it's an annual tournament of the six countries in the Six Nations. So it's Ireland, Wales, Scotland, France, England, and Italy. Um, and pre-tournament favourites England uh, ending up fifth, fifth okay. out of six. Um, only won two of their five games, and uh, Ireland winning on St. Patrick's Day. Oh, that's um, big. Against the hated English to complete the Grand Slam, so uh, <laughs> five played, five wins. Um, so it was a very heavy night out in London for the travelling Irish fans. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah, quite interesting tournament this year. So I'd, I'd always recommend, if you have any interest in rugby union, giving the Six Nations a, a watch, because it's all, all, every game is a very strong rivalry, because going on for so long mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah so that was, that was uh, the two big sporting events of this weekend in terms of the UK so well that that is big absolutely yeah especially rugby <clears throat> yeah if you have Ireland beating the UK or England in uh, <clears throat> sorry in that on St. Patrick's Day yeah that that's a real yeah. big that's real big it's kind of funny if you've ever seen the graph of what sports the UK competes in and like what the individual home nations compete in like whether you have Northern Ireland and the Republic compete together or get or as separate teams it's like football soccer uh, like rugby the Olympics they're all different denominations so uh, yes it's quite funny to see Oh, speaking of the Olympics, how did you how did you enjoy the Winter Olympics this year? We haven't gotten a chance. Oh, I really enjoy it. It's it's always fun to see these uh, see sports that you tend not to see too much. Um, always enjoy a bit of curling. Yes, that's my that's my soft spot. Um, very very popular. Uh, biathlon as well. Like you look at these you look at these sports and you're just you go from having like a heartbeat of like 180 to having to shoot like a dime sized target from like 50 meters. Right. And then they um, just collapse the when they get across. Just... Yeah. Whew. Kim always enjoys the, uh, the figure skating. Um, well, which is always, always figure, figure skating gets the most, um, the highest ratings. Like mm-hmm. usually if there's a big sporting event here in the U S like, um, uh, a male demographic, uh, sporting event, uh, Super Bowl, playoff game, anything like that. What um, other state, other channels will do will put on figure skating as the um, a, 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 as trying to get others who will not watch 
but figure yeah. skating is very popular. I mean, the U.S. really, and you know, with this Olympics that it kind of you kind of saw, especially with how the breakdown of um, the money goes towards uh, the coverage of the Olympics. That it's the it's very U.S. dominated in terms of viewership. Mm-hmm. Like NBC pays pays the most money out of all the other nations, um, and that so many things are tailored to East Coast time of the U.S. Um, as opposed to something that's prime time in South Korea or prime time in Russia, so it's yeah, yeah it's really interesting how that happens. Because it's similarly scheduled, they they always schedule sort of the speed skating events to yes. be sort of prime time for Europe because that's like yeah Netherlands, Norway, even South Koreans themselves like that's their oh they love it their marquee sport at the Winter Olympics. But oh, then yeah. like hockey is sort of more North American yes. audiences as well, um, so. That's I tell you what the most ridiculous sport of the Winter Olympics is. What's that? Doubles luge. <laughs> what now? Why do you say that? It it's. I mean, going down foot first for a bobsay run on a tiny tray is dumb enough. <laughs> tiny tray. <laughs> now put another person on top of you while you do that, and you you just okay. There's another level of insanity here. Oh my god. Uh, so it just. Yeah, quality programming, watching two blokes just climb on a tray and try and hold on for dear life oh my, down t- a bobsleigh run. Um, Tiny tray yeah. might be my favorite. Um, yeah. I mean, it's, that's what they describe skeleton as. Yeah. You're going head first on a, on a dinner tray, basically, with some skates. Um, it's scary. It's scary. Yikes. All right, well, Alex, thank you so much. I'm so glad we were able to uh, hook this up together. Thank you so much for having me. Not a problem. Thank you as well. Uh, Happy St. Patrick's Day to all who celebrated and enjoyed. And uh, we'll come back to you uh, for opening day, I think. That will be our next broadcast. So, Uh, Alex, wonderful again. Thank you so much. And, Andrew, take it away. This has been another episode of Everyman Sports. The show's music is Cold Funk by Kevin McLeod and is licensed under CC Attribution 3.0. Everyman Sports can be found on Facebook.com, where you can like it to receive updates and news. Visit Everyman Sports in the iTunes store to leave a review of the show. Also, visit everymansports.podbean.com directly to comment and support. Everyman Sports can be contacted directly at everymansports at gmail.com.